Chapter Twelve of the Pink Shop by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kehinde. The Unknown Customer. Before leaving her newly discovered aunt, Audrey extracted permission from her to reveal what she had been told to Ralph. At first, Madame Coralie had made some objection but on being assured that Shaw could and would keep his own counsel, she consented that he should be told about the diamonds. "'If he's hunting for the assassin and thinking that I am the one,' said Madame Coralie, "'he will learn beforehand that I have the jewels and will not be ready to credit me with disposing of stolen gems. Eddie is sometimes so careless that I fear lest the police should know.' "'I think it would be best to tell the police,' said Audrey wisely. "'No, the interest in the case has died away,' said her aunt, "'and not even Joseph's reward of one thousand pounds can revive it. "'Tell Mr. Shaw by all means, but warn him to keep his own counsel.' Audrey left Madame Coralie with the strange feeling, so close was the resemblance between the sisters, dead and alive, that she had been conversing with her mother. She returned home in a dream and then thought disconsolately that she was no nearer to learning what she wished to know than she had been before. But it was necessary to disabuse Peritote of the idea that the proprietress of the pink shop was guilty and Audrey determined to call at the appointed hour the next day. Afterwards, she could see Ralph and detail what she had learnt, but to interview both her lover and the detective was not an easy task, owing to the watch that was kept on her every action. However, Providence stood her friend unexpectedly. Sir Joseph wished to drive some people down to Richmond for afternoon tea at the Star and Garter. He invited Mrs. Mellop to join the party, but to punish Audrey for the way in which she had behaved to Lord Anvers, he ordered her to remain at home. His daughter disguised her satisfaction with difficulty, and sent a wire to Ralph asking him to meet her at Perry Totes at half-past three o'clock. By that hour she would have put the detective off the scent, and then could take Ralph aside, and tell him all that she did not wish Miss Tote to learn. Having arranged this, she accompanied Mrs. Mellop to the door where Sir Joseph, in a magnificent motor-car, was waiting. Mrs. Mellop was rather doleful, as she now knew that the millionaire had made up his mind, on the authority of Audrey, to marry Rosie Pearl. But the widow did not intend to lose the prize without a struggle, as it was much too valuable. Besides, having seen Miss Pearl on the music-hall stage, she did not think her a particularly formidable rival. She determined on this day to be as fascinating as possible in order to carry off Sir Joseph from under the very nose of Rosie Pearl, and as Mrs. Mellop had a very good opinion of herself, she thought that she would succeed. So happy was she in the hope of success that she kissed Audrey in the hall. "'You poor dear, I wish you were coming,' she said affectionately. "'Oh, don't trouble yourself about me,' said Audrey, who quite understood what the kiss meant. 
give all your attention to capturing my father. Wouldn't you like me for a stepmother? asked Mrs. Mellop coaxingly. I would like you better than Rosie Pearl, said Audrey dryly. You will have my undying gratitude if you can save him from that woman. Darling, Mrs. Mellop pecked again at Audrey's cheek with great delight at having enlisted her sympathy so far. I shall do my best. When the car glided away, Audrey laughed. She felt sure that Mrs. Mellop would do her best. She was also very certain that she would fail as Sir Joseph never changed his mind. He had declared with indecent haste that he intended to marry the music hall artist, and he would do so whatever obstacles were placed in the way. Moreover, Rosie Pearl was just the kind of fine woman whom the millionaire admired. Mrs. Mallop was a mere shrimp beside Miss Pearl's massive proportions, and Sir Joseph did not care for diaphanous creatures of the widow's type. However, Mrs. Mallop had intense faith in her own cleverness and in man's stupidity, and went forth to conquer. No wonder that Audrey, knowing her father's adamantine nature, laughed as the would-be Lady Branwen fluttered out, all smiles and chiffons. If she's going out for wool, she will come home shorn, thought Audrey, and went away to put on her quietest frock. When she arrived at Buckingham Street, Strand, Miss Tote was duly waiting to hear what she had learned. Audrey had already arranged in her own mind what to say, and sat down feeling quite cool and composed. So calm did she seem that Miss Tote laughed in a vexed way. "'So you have been unsuccessful. You have learnt nothing,' she said promptly. "'How do you know?' asked Audrey quickly. "'You would be more excited if you had found a clue.' "'Well, Miss Branwen,' she leant her elbows on the table, "'perhaps I am wrong. If you have learnt anything likely to be of value, let me hear it.' "'I have learnt nothing,' said Audrey, cautiously. "'Nothing of any value.' "'You got Madame Coralie to remove her yashmak?' "'Accident did that for me. It was ripped off by a tack as she rose.' "'Well?' asked Perry Toad eagerly. "'Well,' replied Miss Branwin coolly, "'that's all.' "'But you had some conversation with her?' "'Yes, but she could tell me nothing.' She merely repeated what she had said at the inquest, that she left my mother in bed and came up the stairs to the still room. Did you mention anything about the discrepancy in time? Oh, Audrey was really dismayed. I quite forgot to. Ah, my dear young lady, Perry Toad looked vexed again. That is the most important question of the lot. Although I dare say, she added consolingly, you would not have had a true reply. I must look into the matter myself. There is nothing to be learned, Miss Tote. I am quite sure that Madame Coralie is innocent. What makes you think so? I observed her face, and she did not change color. She told me all that I have told you with the greatest frankness. "'Naturally,' said Miss Tote doubtfully. "'She would be on her guard with you.' "'I don't think she was,' replied Audrey, 
with studied simplicity. Besides, she has promised to help me to find the criminal. She is most anxious to do so because of her business. I don't see how discovering the real criminal will improve the business. Well, Audrey looked pensive. Madame Coralie is rather revengeful and very cunning. What is to be done now? You have failed. I have not looked into everything yet, Miss Tote. I intend to call again on Madame Coralie. I shall do so also, said Perry Tote with determination, for she recollected the large reward and felt anxious to obtain it. Her visitor did not wish to forbid her calling again at the pink shop, as such a request might have awakened Miss Tote's suspicions. So she said nothing, feeling certain that Madame Coralie was perfectly well able to look after herself. Meanwhile, Miss Tote, having gathered all she wished to learn, and feeling a faint suspicion that Audrey had not told her everything, made up her mind to look into things for herself. Then she turned the conversation so that Miss Branwin should not gather her intentions. "'You made a conquest the other day,' said Miss Tote, while Audrey rose to take her leave and smoothed her gloves. "'Really?' the girl blushed. "'What do you mean?' "'Colonel Ilse fell in love with you.' Audrey blushed again. "'That nice military man who came as I went yesterday, you mean, don't you?' He is really charming, such a nice smile. If I wasn't engaged to Mr. Shaw, I might follow up my conquest. Miss Tote shook her head. You would be disappointed. Colonel Elsie has buried his heart in the grave of the wife who died over twenty years ago. If he can only find the daughter who was stolen from him, he will be quite content. Then I must be the same with Ralph, said Audrey, laughing. Do you know, Miss Tote, Colonel Elsie put me in mind of someone. I can't think who. The detective nodded. Curious you should say that. I had an idea that I had seen someone like him. But then these military men are all cut to one pattern. See one and you see the lot. Ah, come in, she raised her voice as a knock came to the door. Ralph entered, looking smart and lover-like. Here I am, Audrey he said. Oh, laughed Perry Toad rebukingly, do you think this is Cupid's Bureau? What an unromantic place to meet in. We have to meet in all manner of places, said Audrey with a smile. My father doesn't approve of our marriage and will not let Mr. Shaw come to the house. Good day, Miss Toad. We must be off. When she went out looking up into her lover's face, Perry Toad sighed. The little office seemed more dingy than ever now that rosy love had flown away. The detective returned to her papers rather discontentedly. She also wished to walk out with a lover, but there was no chance of that unless she gained this one thousand pounds, which Sir Joseph Branwin offered for the detection of his wife's assassin. The episode of Ralph meeting Audrey at the office, and the sight of their love, made the little woman more determined than ever to win the reward. "'They are the butterflies,' said Miss Tote, shuffling her papers, "'and I am only the grub as yet.' So while the poor grub worked in the dull room, the butterflies fluttered in the sunshine. 
To be precise, they drove in a taxicab to their favorite meeting place near the round pond. Here Audrey related how she had seen Madame Coralie and what had taken place. Shaw was not easily astonished, but on this occasion he confessed that he was. It was surprising to learn that Madame Coralie was the sister of Lady Branwen, and more surprising still to hear that she so easily confessed to having possession of the long-lost diamonds. "'Oh, she must be innocent,' said the barrister after an astonished pause. "'I can't conceive she would admit so much if she were guilty. The very possession of the jewels would make the police certain of her guilt.' "'But the police must never know,' said Audrey anxiously. "'Remember, I tell you all this under seal of secrecy.' "'Oh, I shall say nothing,' Ralph assured her seriously, "'especially as your aunt has been so candid as to dispel any suspicions that I may have entertained regarding her complicity in the crime.' "'Then, you don't believe in Peritot's theory?' "'No, I certainly do not. I have my own views.' "'What are they?' Shaw hesitated. "'I shall tell you what they are when I am more certain of my suspicions.' "'Then you do suspect someone?' asked the girl swiftly. "'Yes and no. That is... I have found a mare's nest.' Audrey looked at him carefully. It struck her that his face was thin and pale, and that his eyes looked remarkably dull. "'You are worrying, dear.' "'Yes, over this case, I really think,' Shaw passed his hand across his forehead, "'that it would be best to leave it alone. "'Audrey,' he took her hands and looked entreatingly into her face, "'why not let sleeping dogs lie?' She shook her head. I must learn who killed my mother. And Flora, that is, Madame Coralie, will help me. Why do you wish things to be left alone? Because the wording of that anonymous letter haunts me, said Shaw irritably. If you search into this matter, you will experience some very great grief. Is it worth risking that? For the sake of my mother's memory, it is, said the girl firmly. My darling, I assure you that your mother will rest no more quietly in her grave because her assassin is hanged. Why not abandon the whole business and marry me at once? I have not much money, it is true, but what I have is enough for both of us to live quietly. No, 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 said Audrey insistently. We discussed this matter before, and I told you that I would not drag you down and hinder your career by saddling you with a poor wife. And if I marry against my father's wishes, I am bound to be poor. Besides, I have sworn to myself never to rest until the murderer of my poor mother is brought to justice. If you won't help me, and you certainly do not seem anxious to do so, I must work alone. Of course I shall help you, snapped the barrister sharply. I want to get at the truth as speedily as possible, so that we may be married. And to aid you in your search, I now make a suggestion. Audrey looked at him with interest. What is it? 
You say that your father admired Madame Coralie when she was Flora Arkwright of Bleakley. Very good. Flora Arkwright may have admired your father and may have grudged him marrying your mother. Now, why not go to Madame Coralie straight away and rouse her jealousy? Rouse her jealousy? Yes. The deceased wife's sister bill is law now, and there is no bar against Madame Coralie marrying Sir Joseph. Yes, there is. You forget Eddie Vale. Oh, the deuce! cried the barrister in dismay. So I do. Never mind. It is as well to try the experiment. Tell Madame Coralie that Sir Joseph is to marry Rosie Pearl, and see what she will say. For your dead mother's sake, if not for her own, she may resent the marriage. Of course the idea is absurd, said Audrey pettishly. My aunt has not a shadow of excuse to object to my father marrying any one. Whatever feelings she may have entertained for him once, they have been parted too long for such feelings to exist now. Well, the experiment is worth trying, insisted Ralph anxiously. Audrey thought for a moment, then rose and walked across the grass. To set your mind at rest, I shall see my aunt at once and tell her. Good. I shall wait at the door of the pink shop and hear your report. With this understanding, the two strolled across the gardens to Walpool Lane, and while Ralph lingered on the pavement, Audrey passed into the Turkish shop. She had chosen rather an awkward hour for an interview, as Madame Coralie's clients were rolling up in carriage and motor broham, but the proprietress of the shop was upstairs in the still room and sent down word that she would see Miss Branwin at once. The girl soon found herself in the presence of her aunt, while Badura, who had introduced her, returned to look after the customers who were being served by the other three girls. "'I can only give you five minutes, my dear,' said Madame Coralie, who was again wearing her yashmak. "'Is there anything wrong?' "'Nothing particularly.' But I thought that it was just as well you should know that my father has made up his mind to marry again. What? Madame Coralie gave a roar like that of a wounded lioness. Who is the woman? Miss Rosie Pearl of the... That music hall creature! Impossible! Madame Coralie clenched her hands and her black eyes looked extremely angry. Why, it was Rosie Pearl who was my other customer who slept in this house on the night of the crime. Oh! Audrey grew pale. In a flash, she saw what Madame Coralie meant. End of chapter 12 Recording by Kane Day.